Looking to get the best out of yourself both at home and in the workplace? Then check out today's episode of the Working Mama podcast. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Well, hey there, Mama. Welcome to today's episode of the Working Mama podcast. I have to say I really loved this chat with today's guest. Natalie Moore and I talked a lot of things about your health and well-being, but also we're very passionate about supporting working mums in different ways. And I really love about how we go into talk about societal conditioning and the female advantage, but then also then using the four phases of your monthly cycle and also then about taking the micro moments of stillness to help you through your day. And she also goes on to say like actually by having a good day at work, that also then translates into your mental well-being about how you come home and then be present with your family. So I really hope you enjoy today's podcast. Just a little bit of background on Natalie. She is a certified wellness and mindset coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and she supports women to achieve their desired level of health and well-being, elevate their highest potential, and connect with their physiology for confidence and energy. Natalie's coaching work inspires women to see their whole health as the cornerstone to achieving and transitioning through pivotal life stages, achieving personal goals, and living their best life. I had such a great chat with Natalie Moore, so let's get into it. Welcome, Natalie. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? Hello, Karina. Yeah, really good. Nice to uh, be here chatting with you. Welcome aboard and thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to getting into today's topic, very much focused around women's health, well-being, and also using womanhood to your advantage. But before we get into those topics, how would you best describe yourself? You know, I tend to jump in this question with describing myself as someone who is very ambitious, driven, and, you know, really passionate about living my best life. And then I tend to come in with, you know, I'm a mum, I'm a wife (laughs) and a business owner because I'm a big believer that, you know, by connecting to the things that make us us, that helps to become the people that we want to be for the roles that we have, you know, whether that's a mother or a worker or a wife. Yeah. And you can certainly bring in different parts of those of living your best life. And it's not just about living your best life at home or career. You don't, it's definitely the harmony that you have between the two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, in my line of work, I hear so often about work-life balance and I tend to cross out balance and and put work-life blend or work-life integration because, you know, we're the same person whether we're at work or we're in life. And yeah, I think it's really acknowledging really that who the person is to begin with first and foremost, no matter what hat they've got on. I've actually started doing the same thing. Everyone says balance, but I actually don't think you're going to ever get a seesaw of 50-50 between, you know, say work and career. And I now refer to it from my own sense of harmony. You're like a conductor as a mum and you want your different parts of your life to be singing in tune with one another to help the village. So it's not, you know, you need your outsourcing happening, you need your kids and hubby and work and that. So it's all different parts need to work in symphony. Yeah, that's I'm the same. Yeah, for me, it's no longer about the balance. 
Yeah, I, I, I love your take on that, actually. Harmony and symphony, very true. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're talking about being a working mum, we often will say that we need to look after our own health and well-being. And particularly as parents at the moment, there's a real big topic of, of burnout and also needing to look after ourselves. Before we kick off and get into the bones of today, what, how do you define health and well-being? Because I know it's something you're very passionate about. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because I can reflect on my experience of over the last few years of really coming into this space because my background has been in sales, in packaging, so very different to what I do today. And my definition would have evolved over time. But health and well-being when I first started was very much an up and coming concept, I think. And, and today, you know, it's, it's a term that, you know, definitely means well, but I think has sort of lost a little bit of substance, particularly in a workplace context. I find it's almost become something that, you know, we need to do a a tick and a flick. Mm. And it's that sort of should, you know, that should message. But I guess the most important thing when it comes to health and wellbeing that I'd love to share is that, like you, me, everyone, we get to define what that looks like for us. And, you know, World Health Organization defines health as it's more than just being absent from disease. And, you know, but it's health really is, you know, we're sort of thriving in all elements of ourselves. And, and through our work, we really focus on, you know, the individual, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, and really look at it from the fact that there are so many elements that come into us. Well-being, on the other hand, there's a great definition, you know, it's, it's our ability to function and to feel good. And so when I talk about, you know, defining what that looks like for you, it's, you know, what does functioning mean to you or what does feeling good mean to you? Because we all have our own definition and what might be for me would be something different to you. And, you know, I think it's just always coming back to yourself and, you know, what you perceive as healthy and what works for you and and the network that you're within as well. I think that's so important. It's something often I have say as well around the way that you manage the work-life juggle it's different for everyone and what works for some may not necessarily work for others and we're all running our own race so it's so important as well back into health and well-being that yeah we're all functioning and feeling good in different ways I think that's such a strong message and so powerful yeah it really is and I just to share something interesting with you so At the end of last year, I interviewed about 30 women and I asked them, you know, what does health and well-being mean to them and how important is it to them? And every single one of those women said it is critically important. It's I need my health and well-being to function, but I don't prioritise it. Every single one of them, yeah, which is interesting, right? So there's that concept they know, but just it's, it's that juggle. Why did they say why they didn't prioritise it enough? Just too many conflicting demands mm. and majority of them were mothers and it was just, you know, putting everyone else's needs ahead of themselves. But they also appreciated that, you know, they needed their own health and well-being to be able to do all the things they wanted to do. Yeah, they just couldn't find that balance of bringing in what they needed. Yeah. And so it's that concept as well about filling your cup and also putting on your oxygen mask first before you're helping others. Not mm. selfish, but certainly by being able to look after yourself because as we know, 
mothers are generally the heartbeat of the family. If our heart's not beating, that then has a massive impact on others. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's funny, I look back at my own experience and I remember hearing someone say, and she was talking about her own experience, and she said, you know, I want to be at work, but I want to be doing work that fills me up so that when I come home, I am, you know, refreshed and vibrant because I've had a great day. And I really took that on. And that was a real pivotal moment moment for me, which has just stayed with me, that, that whole concept. I thought, yes, if I've got to put my daughter in care to work because I want to work, yeah, I've got to do something and make sure I'm filling my cup so I'm giving her the best of me at the end of the day, not, you know, not the, the dregs of me. That's actually something that seems to be a common theme. For me this week, I've heard that concept a number of times of people saying, I'm not inspired, I'm not feeling lit up at the moment by the work I'm doing. Am I alone? Am I not? And they're feeling that work is, is draining them a bit, but it's also been a long 20 months, particularly mothers that are in Melbourne and Sydney that are listening to this. It's been a long time and people are starting to feel burnt out, but also then thinking, well, what lights me up? What's going to make me happy? And then going through that evaluation part, because we don't have to be down in the drenches, do we? We can actually thrive in motherhood. Yeah, you can. You you definitely can. And again, I think, you know, and I'm probably harp on a bit throughout our conversation, but it is about, again, defining what that looks like to you. You know, it's it's trying to let go of all of those societal expectations. Us women, we're very good at shoulding all over ourselves. So should do this, should do that. And we have to really step back from that and come back into ourselves and say, okay, no, this is what being a mum looks like and feels like to me, this is what I want. And, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do to help me do that. And only then do you really sort of embrace what you want unapologetically. Yeah. So what are some steps that, that we can do that? So defining what motherhood looks like to us, is there a process that, that you use and that you even use in yourself to go through, to get to that place? Yeah. Do you know, the number one step is, for me, is coming back to your values. So coming back to what is most important to you. And, you know, interestingly, before I left my corporate job, um, I was involved in a project there in helping them to identify the company's values and mission and vision because we had new management come in. And I loved the project, but it just highlighted to me that the company's values and my own values were not aligned. And really, I hadn't, I didn't really know my own ones that well. So that was the first step for me. And that's what I teach my clients that I work with is identify your values and your own personal values. As women, again, it's very easy to get caught up in trying to find, you know, finding those values that are going to be best for the family. So we focus so much on the family, but this is about coming back to you and what you value in yourself as an individual, as a woman, because when you do that, the flow and effect flows into your family, you know, and of course your family is everything. That's that's why we, you know, are here today and we do the work we do and, and everything that we have, but you've got to come back and connect with yourself and what's important to you. And, and only then that's when we make the decisions that we're not doing the shoulds, we're doing the things that we want to do that make us feel good and, you know, help us show up to who as who we want to be. I love it. It's something that I'm also so passionate about. It's not what you do for work. It's your why and your values. And if you're doing values-led work that you know what 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 lights you up, 
the work that makes you happy. As you said, the flow and effect is huge. You're, you're happier in yourself. You're happier with your kids and you're not, you're actually giving your best of yourselves to everyone around you and not actually the worst part. I know from a personal experience, even before I had kids, I was doing a job about 15 years ago. I hated, I would come home in the worst mood. I left my, left that job, got a new one. And ironically, a few months later, I actually met my husband and I actually put that into as well, that I was actually in a better frame of mind. And it's amazing impacts that can work and have, if you're not doing what you want to do, what's really lighting you up, what your true values are, it can make such a big difference in your life. And that's where people of like working mums and mum guilt, I think as well, if you're knowing your values as well, why you're working and what you're doing it for, doesn't remove mum guilt 100%, but it can certainly also aid in, in some way. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember, you know, even my daughter when she was young and, you know, I'd say to her, you know, mummy wants to work. I want to work. We, you know, we get money. It makes mummy feel good also, but it, you know, brings in money to our, our life so we can have the house we've got. We can do the things that we do, go on holidays and, you know, teaching her around, you know, the value of working, not just from, I guess, an external point of view, but an intrinsic point of view as well. And yeah, and, and that's, and I find as well, just that education, educating your family around, you know, why this work's important to you, you know, how it makes you feel. And then, you know, kids, I guess, are sort of very black and white. They know, you know, so it's like, well, you know, I get paid to work and and this is what we get in return. We get to do all these things. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, it certainly is. And so women that I know there's a big topic at the moment about burnout as working mothers, what some tips and advice do you have, particularly around looking after their health and well-being? You know, over the last 20 months where we've experienced so much and such a roller coaster of emotions, now the light is is starting to be there. We've got our North Star that we're working towards. How can we, you know, look after ourselves and manage this burnout is what we're all talking about. Yeah. And I think, you know, first and foremost, it's important to mention that no one is exempt from this burnout. <laughs> you know, what we've been through the last two years is just no one's had any experience in being able to navigate that. And I look at myself, I've had my own, you know, moments of stress, even having the skills of being able to look after my health and wellbeing. But it's about building that toolkit. And, you know, it's not something that you're going to develop overnight. You know, I'm, I've been on this adventure for seven years now, but I've got a toolkit of things that I can use and and come back to when I need to give myself that support. But First and foremost, coming back to yourself, uh, and I think particularly in motherhood and, and especially early motherhood, and that was my experience, you, you lose yourself, right, because you're just always giving, 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 then you go back to work and you're still giving, giving, giving so much of yourself and you you lose who you are. And so, you know, a big thing that I've done is, you know, just taking micro moments of stillness, so giving yourself permission to be quiet and stop. And, you know, allowing that allows you then to feel into what you're feeling, listening to what your body is telling you as well. So I always encourage clients or teach clients that I work with, you know, those transition moments. So when we used to go to the physical workplace, we'd leave home, drive to work. Normally that drive was always a bit of a stress as well in traffic. Instead of getting straight out of the car, take a moment to stop and breathe. So sort of connect to this thought, okay, well, I'm putting on this hat now. 
what's my intention for how I want to feel? How am I feeling? And just breathe, you know, even if it's one minute, even if it's one breath, you know, it's amazing just what breathing can do. But we're, we're so busy, busy, busy. We, we forget to connect to ourselves and really connect with what we're feeling, you know, and the body just talks to us all the time. And then, you know, finding those things that make you feel good, you know. So some of the things I enjoy, like, you know, journaling, I, I do meditate, you know, yoga, you know, even it's just going out for a walk. Again, you know, societal conditioning is that we're not physically fit unless we go out and smash ourselves at the gym for an hour. It's about finding those things that make you feel good. And even not even in a physical sense, you know, maybe it's just meeting someone for a coffee. Maybe it's reading a book, listening to a podcast. Yeah, finding those things that make you feel good. Yeah, and I think it's so important. Uh, after what we've been, that's such great tips, definitely around that connection. And also the tips that you've got, particularly say stop and breathing before you go into work, doesn't matter what's happened in the last 20 months. They're really good to even help make that switch of like, right, I've just dropped off the kids, say at school or at childcare. Now I'm in work mode and this is what I'm, in, you know, set your intentions for the day just mentally. That's such a good tip. Yeah. And even doing the same when you come back from work too, you know, sit in your garage or your driveway and again, just, yeah, breathe, let go of your work day and then say, okay, well, I'm coming into home and this is how I want to feel. This is how the, the night's going to go. And just even just setting that intention. It's, it's about creating those neural pathways in the brain and, you know, sort of manipulating your thinking so that, you know, you can set yourself up for success. Ah, oh, so useful. Now we're just going to change gears a little bit. And how can a woman use her womanhood to her advantage? I'm so thrilled that you asked this question because it's a core part of our work at the moment. And um, we go with the term, the female advantage, and we created a um, signature program around that because we really do believe in this concept that women have this innate ability to use their womanhood, use their biology to their advantage And it's really through our monthly cycles, right? So every 28 days, we have a new cycle. And that cycle is made up of four different phases, menstruation, follicular, ovulation, and luteal. And we actually liken those four phases to the seasons of the year. So menstruation is winter, follicular is spring, ovulation summer, luteal is autumn. And the beauty of knowing this is that each of these phases represent a different type of energy level. So two of them are really high energy, others are low energy. And throughout these phases, our ability to communicate, our energy levels, our physical energy changes, the way we think might change, um, our communication. So one time we might be like a social butterfly and then other times we want to be a little bit reserved and a little bit more introvert. And just knowing that allows us to really plan out our month and set some intentions through our month as well. So for example, menstruation, we liken that to the start of your cycle. And that is a great time to really come back into yourself because obviously it's a very quiet time and and much like winter, you know, we come into a hibernation, we come back into our body and we 
when you know that that's the phase that you're in, you give yourself permission to slow down and it gives you the opportunity to say no because you know that this is your quiet time. And the beauty of this phase too is that it allows us to set intentions for the rest of our month as well. So, you know, map out our calendar on the times that we're going to have higher energy. So in our spring and our summer and look at those times and say, well, they're the times I'm going to be really sociable. So I'm going to catch up with this person and and do this. The other important aspect too is that, you know, what you're feeling in one cycle will impact the way that you feel in the next cycle. So if you're really stressed in a particular month, lots going on, that's going to impact your cycle the next month. And so again, it's about that coming back to our body, coming back to what we're feeling at any moment and being really conscious about setting intentions around how we want to feel, how we want to show up. And, you know, what we love about really honing on these four phases is that we could almost class ourselves as four women in one, you know, across across each month. And how lucky are we that we get to almost, you know, reinvent ourselves each month. So if one month was a bit crappy, okay, let's set some intentions for the next month and let's be really conscious and focused on how we want to feel. Unlike men, on the other hand, who work to the circadian rhythm and 24-hour clock, they're exactly the same every day. We've got at least a bit of vibrancy and um, attitude about us every cycle, whereas men, you know, their higher energy levels are in the morning and they plateau down as the day goes. So that's why all the men at the end of the day are on the couch, <laughs> you know, sprawled out on the couch, exhausted from a day's work. And But we're, we're still going, right? But we have those moments in our cycle where we're a little bit lower, energy levels a bit lower and a bit more tired. So really it's sometimes if, if you're feeling down and, and people may say, oh, it's just your hormones. It's actually, it is but it's also recognizing and coming into yourself is what you say about how you can use that. And so how can you use that then from a work sense? Obviously you can control what you do from a social and your personal life. How can you also have this work effectively from a professional perspective? Yeah. So again, it allows you to, I guess, focus in on those high energy moments in particular. So if you've got, you know, specific work. Maybe you want to ask for a pay rise or you want to need to have some tough conversations with your colleagues. You know the times where your energy level and your communication levels are at their sort of optimum level. And that allows you to have those, you know, say, okay, well, that's the time where I'm going to have this meeting. Well, that's the time where I'm going to really plan out my work for the rest of the cycle. Because as we come into our luteal, our autumn phase and menstruation, They're the two phases that we start to really slow down and our attention might not be quite on point. We might not want to be communicating with people as much as we would have in the previous phases. And so when you know that and you, you can cycle track, you know, you can really plan out those times where your energy levels are really high and say, well, this is the time where I'm going to do a lot of my brainstorming work or my ideation work. And, you know, and that's, that's how you can really use that cycle to your advantage. And what are some tools that, is there an app that you can download onto your phone to help you keep in tune with where you are in in your cycle at the moment? Yeah, look, there's a few different apps that you can get. We actually, as a starting point, we strongly suggest that women use old fashioned paper and pen 
And again, I'm very big on paper and pen actually, just because particularly when we're starting, you know, when we're writing things down, we're actually creating a much deeper connection from brain to words on paper. So there's the neural connections from the brain really help with that change management or that change behavior process. Because it is, you know, you're not going to just start cycle tracking and then have that have that habit down pat straight away. So we, you can use a cycle chart. And so you actually go through and you cycle the different parts of the chart, which helps determine your cycle. Also really connecting with how you're feeling as well. So some of those apps might just show you the cycle where you're at but not giving you the opportunity to really connect with how you're feeling because you know you can have you can have people tell you what you're going to feel in the different phases but each woman's different and so you need to connect with how you're going to feel and then track that each month you know so that's where come even you know journaling is a really great process for um cycle tracking as well oh that's so useful and uh and is it something that you do at the start of every month or every new cycle and sit back, reflect, or is it a particular part in your cycle of saying, right, this is how I'm going to plan it out? Yeah. So what you want to do is start from day one. So menstruation. So day one of your period is the day that you would start with the cycle tracking and then just mapping, you know, mapping out how long that part of the cycle was, how how long the next part of your cycle is. And, you know, there's got to be some level of education around those phases first so that you can then sort of marry up you know, where you're at and, you know, typical cycle as well. So we know that a typical cycle is 28 days, but then, you know, some women might have 25, 26, 24, but, you know, even just knowing how long your cycle is, is really important level of education as well to help get started. It's something as well, you you track it so much when you're planning a pregnancy and you're like, right, this is when I'm ovulating and then this is the phase and, and things But it's also then another component to it is that just because you've got kids, it's now actually tracking a cycle has a different benefit to it. And it's just something, just a new concept. People may go, I've known about this for years, but for me, it's a new concept of going, wow, yep, you know, as you change in the different cycles of motherhood, it's also about how you can, as you say, use your woman, the female advantage. Yeah. And, you know, you're not alone in in it being new. You know, it was new to me not so long ago as well in the spectrum of my life. But I think, and there's a lot of research out there too, that, you know, we're so conditioned when we first get our periods to really mask them and not talk about them. And, you know, there's a lot of research showing that, you know, women feel so shamed and guilted and embarrassed by them. And so, you know, part of what we're trying to do is really try and break that taboo and show how powerful they really can be. And then another part that I would actually say is probably not a little bit of taboo in in the world, we don't talk about it enough, is a topic, and I actually don't know too much about it, it's around perimenopause. And I know it's a lot of work that you're also doing at the moment. It's another part of a woman's life. Are you able to give some explanation about what it is and, and how it impacts us and how we can prepare for it? Yes, 
And uh, this has become a huge part of my life with my business partner, actually. And I will add that I'm, I'm not in perimenopause myself and my business partner won't mind me saying that, that she is right in the thick of it. And I often get asked, why am I talking about perimenopause? But this is part of our education that, you know, the more that we know about our bodies and our cycles prior to coming into perimenopause, the smoother the transition can be and it helps us to really acknowledge those changes in our body. So perimenopause, a lot of women don't know about perimenopause. When we talk about menopause, it's just that menopause element in itself. But there's actually three distinct phases through uh, menopause. So perimenopause is the stage before menopause and it can happen anywhere from 45 to 55 even as early as late 30s, early 40s, and it can last four to six years, maybe 10 years. It's really important to acknowledge every single woman will go through perimenopause and menopause, and every single experience will be different. But we can learn off each other, definitely, but what we'll all be going through will be very, very different. And, you know, perimenopause is that phase where we start to experience a lot of the symptoms. So there's a lot of hormonal changes. All of a sudden, our cycle's changing. You know, we might be getting hot flashes, brain fog. You know, there's it can impact our confidence. There's also a lot of physical changes as well. But probably the biggest thing that changes is, you know, all of a sudden women are very embarrassed to talk about the change that they're going through. They're not talking with friends. They're not talking with their work colleagues or their managers because they're struggling with the change that they're going through. And a lot of that is because they're not really sure what they're experiencing which is interesting. And then from perimenopause, we go into menopause and menopause is only one day. Oh, so what people say they're going through, it's going to last years. It's actually not. No. So that's perimenopause that they're going through. Mm. And menopause happens on the 12 month anniversary that a woman has not had their period. So if you haven't had your period for 12 months, that is your anniversary. And that is day one is menopause. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. So you could go, say, six months of not having your period and then you get it and then your whole cycle starts again. So you've got to have a full 12 months, no periods, and then that next day is menopause. And then after that one day, you then move into post-menopause. And what's important to really, I guess, appreciate that women are living 30 to 40 years beyond menopause. And so, you know, when we talk about health and well-being and lifestyle factors, we're not just doing it for today. We're doing it for, you know, that perimenopause phase, but also postmenopause as well. And the more that we can sort of do early on, the, the greater support, the greater for our health and lifestyle in the future. And so, yeah, that really, for me, demystifies just straight away what I thought of menopause, that it was just, you know, went on for five or six years and things like that. But as you're saying, it's not, it's the... The perimenopause, the hot flushes that I was actually probably ingrained of thinking that's what it that's what it is. I guess it's a phase of menopause, but I thought that's what it was and really interesting. And then the postmenopause, is there things that you experience from a body change as well, like you do in perimenopause? 
Yeah, so postmenopause symptoms might start to subside, but you still can have a range of symptoms as well, you know, from hot flushes, you know, again, some physical changes. Obviously, we're getting older as well, but you can still have, yes, similar symptoms in postmenopause. Wow. And so how are you talking about women that, you know, experiencing this, they're losing confidence and, and things like that. What are some tools and tips and advice that you can give and, and share around how to manage this this next phase? I know not everyone listening may be across it, but it's always good to be aware of of what's coming up, particularly of going from the motherhood phase. And then there's always another phase in, in being a woman. But yeah, and this is probably one of them. Yeah, you're so right. And I think too, we tend not to worry about the phases until we get there. And part of our education is really starting where you are today. And it's important to note that it's never too late to start. You know, if you think that, you know, I haven't been looking after my health or my well-being, you know, what's the point? I'll just wait till I'm at perimenopause. But the more that you can do right now with where you are today, the better it's going to be for you down the track. And that's not saying that you're not going to have symptoms or you're not going to have a hard time, but it's it's about, yeah, that education about your body. Circle In, they actually did some great research around menopause last year and they highlighted from their survey respondents, 83% said that menopause had a negative impact on their work and more than half said they would have left the workplace actually. So yeah, it it has a huge impact on women. So, you know, such things, you know, today looking at, you know, stress and the impact of stress on yourself, looking at your physical health. So, you know, how much you move, your movement, your sleep. Sleep is so, so important and really not given enough credit. And then such things, you know, nutrition and the way that you eat. Again, we encompass the whole health message. So, you know, looking at, you know, are you nurturing your mental health? And when we talk about mental health, we really talk about that learning element. So, you know, are you are you learning? Are you nurturing that side of your brain that, you know, is hardwired to be a lifelong learner? You know, you immersing in things that make you feel good. You know, emotional health, what are your relationships like, your connections? Are you finding ways to meaningfully connect with the people around you? And then your spiritual health, are you living in alignment to your values? Have you got that passion and purpose? Are you doing work that fills you up? Are you living life as you want to be? And um, yes, on a high level point of view, you know, they are, you know, there's a lot of terms there, but again, it's, it's coming back to you and acknowledging, you know, the facets of yourself and looking at, you know, where can I support myself in in those areas? But, you know, it, a lot of it is those lifestyle factors, so stress and food and sleep and, and food. And I, as you were saying earlier, you can prepare for it now and certainly, you know, in, in motherhood and as what you say on the, the female advantage, and I know it's also on your website, that you can actually thrive in motherhood. We don't just have to accept, as what you've said a number of times about what society's norms are and expectations. Oh, look, you, you know, I've, I hate the term, you're just a mum. And also, you know, the, the mother Achilles heel sometimes that it can be that it's actually that you can thrive. And also, you know, if you look at the term matrescence, it's also around you know, the journey of motherhood and that you're in and that you have every right to still want a, a, a successful career. You're able to be a great mum. And it's come back to what we said at the start. It's around that work-life integration, the harmony that we have in our lives, coming back to what your personal values are, 
so you can have it and live your best life, you know. So when you get into perimenopause phase, you're actually there from across the, all the different facets of your life is what you were saying. Yes, and you've, yeah, you've summarised it beautifully and um, your listeners might, might be sick of me saying it, but it is. It's about coming back to yourself and, um, and knowing yourself so that you do start to acknowledge those, those little whispers that our body is telling us and, and particularly as you come into perimenopause that you, yeah, starting to recognise the changes that you're going through. Yeah, we only have we only have one life, so we might as well live our best one and and do something that lights us up. You know, there's no point in living a life that with a job that you that you don't enjoy, that you're feeling like it's a hard slog. If you don't enjoy it, let's just make some changes, and and you certainly are, you know should feel empowered to do that. And services like you've got through your signature program of the Female Advantage support women of actually going through there and. That's also a big part as well as about working mama and we've got the the working mama village, like the membership to support women through these phases. So there are organisations out there, there's people like yourself and I that are passionate about supporting women thrive in these in these seasons of motherhood and they don't have to feel that you're just down in the trenches. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's just, it's that community element too, isn't it? Like it's it's being part of something and and knowing that there's other women out there who are feeling exactly the same way and you know collectively we can yeah move forward and and learn from each other as well. Yeah, no, you definitely don't have to go through life mama on your own, and we are better together. And when we can also lift each other up and and pull each other forward. So like for example, Natalie and I met on the One Roof platform, and it's an amazing platform of bringing women together. And so we're a part of that community and and certainly is a valuable one. So the value of connection and community is so important. Now, is there anything else from our chat, Natalie, you'd like to include or that I may have forgotten to ask you that you think is also relevant and important to those listening? No, you know what? I think we really covered the key points around knowing your body being in your body, supporting your whole health and, you know, acknowledging that, you know, we are fascinating beings, us women, and, you know, we really do have some beautiful power and advantages within us and, you know, I inspire, yeah, all women to be able to embrace that and and look at that and see how they can use it. Oh, fantastic. So good. And last question, what do you do for self-care? So believe it or not, I run marathons. (laughs) Not everyone's cup of tea, but what I love about marathon running is just the discipline behind it. So, you know, setting that goal and then, you know, training and just, again, you know, acknowledging how strong my physical body is, how strong my mental mind is as well. And and that's been, you know, especially over the last two years, it's been a significant lifesaver for me in in having that discipline and, and working towards a goal amongst, you know, all the chaos and uncertainty that we have. Plus, you know, I do a lot of other things too around, you know, meditation and yoga in particular, but also, you know, just taking time to stop and be present too. You know, I think we can never take away just how powerful being present is. And I know I see a difference in my daughter when I'm, you know, fully present with her as opposed to the times where um, I might be there physically, but my mind's off somewhere else. So I try and bring all those practices in to keep me present and grounded 
in the company of the people I'm in. So good and so valuable. Congratulations on the marathons that you're running. So oh, I've, got a, you. I, I've got a personal goal to run day one, a half marathon, a marathon, but yeah, it's one of my um, things that I've got on my bucket list. Now, last but not least, where can people connect with you? Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram, Own Your Health Co. You can check out our website and reach out to us. So ownyourhealthco.com.au um, or on LinkedIn as well. So if you just search for me, Natalie Moore. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your chat and I look forward to connecting and collaborating in the future. And definitely everyone, check out Natalie and the work that they're doing at Own Your Own Health Collective. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Karina. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.